James Altucher, would you like a question today? Uh, let me think about it. Mm, maybe I want an answer. Mm, all right, I think this is. Why don't you ask the question and a, give me the answer? I think this is a question that actually even I could answer, but I think you could answer as well. Okay. This is from Quora. Have you heard of Quora? A little website on the World Wide I think, Web. I think they sell Tri- shoes. Triple dub. But there's a question that goes thusly. Why do some podcasters present podcasts with such bad sound quality? Is it that hard to put up a good sound quality podcast? That is a very interesting question, which I think I am more of an Let expert in question. than you are. Do you think that's a very good question because you and I both happen to do podcasts, including this one? Or do you think it's actually a good question? I think it's Pretend a good question. that you were not a podcaster. Right. I think it's a good question if you want to do a podcast and you want to make money from it. Podcasts that tend to get into the top 100 or top 10 have very consistent high audio quality. It's very hard to focus on everything. Like, are you going to get good guests? Are you going to get good sound quality? Are you going to be in a studio? Are you going to get good editing? You know, the podcasting world is not radio. It's kind of like the wild west of audio files on the internet. And I find that some of my, on my other podcast, sometimes- Which is called? The James Altucher Show. Nice name. So I interview people, and I find that sometimes I'm in a situation where a guest is ready to go, but they're on the phone, and I'm not, and the sound quality is not- good. So the guest might be great, and I love talking to that guest, but we have to work really hard to get the sound quality up to speed. And I think that affects the quality and audience of my podcast, even with like the best guests in the world. Name a few. Um, Ev Williams, the founder of Twitter. We were in an office that was all wood and very little furniture, so there was an echo sound, and it was very hard to erase that echo. Name another. Coolio, the rapper, okay, he was in his car, and then he was like in a bar. (laughs) you know, on the phone with me. How about Judy Bloom? You recently talked to Judy Bloom. Judy Bloom was on the phone. And that's what you do. You do phone tape. Yeah, so, not, so I just came, and I do in person. I just came from an in-person one, actually. Who'd you do? I did Mick Ebeling. Do you know who he is? Really smart guy. Mm-hmm. He um he uh, helps people. Is he related to Mick Jagger? No. Is um, he related to Franz Ebeling? I don't know, maybe. I don't know Franz Ebeling. It just sounded like a name. Like he, like an example thing he does is some kid in the Sudan lost two arms. And now he, I feel bad for making fun of Franz <laughs> Ebeling, sorry. He he figured out how to 3D print arms for this kid and make it cheap and accessible to somebody who didn't have any medical care whatsoever. So he's a very impressive guy, and we did it in a studio, so high-quality audio. So I'm hoping that one does very okay, well. Okay, let's back up here, because what you just described, all these different scenarios... What I liked about this question, and I think I would have liked it even if I didn't make podcasts, was that it sounds like it's coming from the podcast consumer's end. So while it is true that podcast production has just mushroomed, like it's nuts, the pace of growth has been nuts. I think there are now roughly 250,000 podcasts. Yes. Imagine that. If you you land in LA, they give you one at the airport. So that means that presumably there are a lot of listeners, right? There are a lot of people out there in the last three, four, five, ten years who've discovered that podcasts are a kind of media content that they like just fine. But this person is asking, why do some podcasters present podcasts with such bad sound quality? Is it that hard to put up a good sound quality podcast? I think if you're reaching for super guests and you're not like a, a brand name like Freakonomics as an example, you're going to have to make sacrifices on sound quality. What do you mean by that? Well, your podcast is so highly ranked and Freakonomics is such a brand name 
that Aziz Ansari is going to go out of his way to go to your studio and do a high quality well, podcast. First of all, that's, so first that's not true. First of all, so um, tell me. Well, okay, so I'll I'll give you some podcasting quality. So so I still want to keep backing up a little bit because when we talk about quality, so it's interesting when you talked about like when you said like the top ranked uh, podcasts are high audio quality. So let me just ask you: when you say high audio quality, do you mean the sonic quality of the audio, or do you mean high quality audio in terms of the editorial and intellectual content? Both. Okay. No, 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 not the intellectual content because that could be all over the place. So you're talking about the sonic. Yeah. of so, the audio. So it's usually, I think the best podcasts out there are usually done in a studio and are usually highly edited. Okay, so right. So I think you're bringing up a few things at one time. So first of all, it's how you capture the sound. So a lot of podcasts that you hear are people either using phone tape, where like I might be in a studio. Or Skype. Or Skype, which can be optimized a lot and it can sound a lot better than it typically does. I don't know how to treat it, but I know that our engineers do know how to treat it. But even so, we don't use Skype that much for Freakonomics Radio. Because it still Skype sounds be kind of Skypey. Well, it sounds a little bit warbly sometimes. Yeah, like that. yeah. You got to be careful. So, so I think we should say, look, let's build it from the ground up. We're doing question of the day here. We do it in a studio, in a really, really, really good radio studio, which is called Radio Arts, which is a historic and awesome recording studio on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Doesn't Alec Baldwin do a podcast here? He does. He does. And Larry Josephson is the proprietor, the uber proprietor. And it's been here for many years, and many awesome things have been recorded here. But the reason we do it here is because, okay, it's pretty close to where I live, right? And you, it's not that far from where you are staying, typically. But also, it's got really good equipment and a really good room where you're not going to get your sirens and your dog barking. And so, we have really good producers. So, Nathan, say hello, editor. Hello. I think editing is critical for us as well in this because we do a lot of editing. Well, I will say this. This show is much more what you'd call live to tape than a lot of other shows, right? I don't know. We we screw up so much. Nathan really has to work <laughs> day and night editing our stupidity out. All right. <laughs> Let's be typical for a couple minutes. Nathan, you're you're under command to not edit the following 30 seconds. And, and here's how it really works. <laughs> hey, Charlie, how, can I ask you a question of the day today? Oh, you forgot my name already? W- what is it? <laughs> James. What's his name? Hi, Giacomo. Oh, Jay- what is it? It's James or Giacomo? Well, it depends. If I'm an Italian class in high school, it was Giacomo. Wait, I'm confused. Nathan, what are we recording today? Question of the day. Wait, I thought this was the Farmer's Almanac Daily today. See, this is what happens when... Nathan, you can don't you cut that? <laughs> As you can probably guess, Stephen and I have a lot more to say about this topic right after this quick break. How should I manage my money? Whether you're a multi-million dollar investor or just starting out, the answer is Betterment. Five years ago, Betterment created the first automated investing service to help make it easier and less expensive to make better financial decisions, from building wealth to staying on track for retirement. Betterment's smarter technology provides personalized investment advice based on your financial goals, then builds and automatically manages a customized portfolio for each goal. With automation of rebalancing, deposits, and tax-efficient investing, Betterment helps save you time and money and gives you peace of mind for a fraction of the cost of traditional investment services. And it's easy to start investing with them by linking your bank account or rolling over your 401k or IRA. Betterment is already managing billions of dollars for more than 100,000 customers. Don't you want to be a smarter investor? Sign up today on your computer or smartphone and get up to six months of free automated investing. Get the offer and full terms and conditions at Betterment.com slash question. Betterment, investing made better. 
Sign up today at betterment.com slash question. Okay, so that's what happens, that's really. That's typical. That is pretty typical. Question of the day, so, 30 seconds. But, uh, okay, so I'll give you a for instance. I'll compare um, what we do here, which is really fun, but it's mostly what you'd call live to tape, which is you talk, and then, yeah, it gets edited. But, like, for Freakonomics Radio, for instance, or for This American Life or Radio Lab, these are all different from each other. And these are all top 10 podcasts. You just named several top 10 podcasts. I did, but here, my point is that sonic quality is kind of an incidental companion of production quality overall because what all these other shows also have in common is that there's a lot of editorial forethought. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of reporting. There's a lot of finding. If you have an idea for a certain kind of guest, you might pre-interview three or four before yeah, no, you get the one. I agree. Just visiting you at the Freakonomics podcasting offices, you storyboard everything. Like That is like far beyond what most podcasts do. And I think when you put in that type of effort, the results really show. And I would say for most people who want to do a podcast, it doesn't make any sense to do that because it becomes extremely labor and time intensive. And if you're paying for this stuff, somebody's got to pay for it. It doesn't, none of it, even time isn't free. And then there's all the other costs. So I think that's one reason why this person finds that a lot of podcasts don't sound good is because it takes a lot of effort to get the content that's going to make kind of cognitive sense. But then there's also things like phone tape. So we don't use phone tape on Freakonomics Radio ever. Right. Like maybe one You're very serious about that. I know that. But we also don't get everybody to a studio because that's hard. So what we do is we use what are called tape sinkers. Do you know what a tape sinker is? Yeah, where you're both recording on each side. Yeah, so I will be like, let's say, I have a little studio in my office, which is just basically like a closet. You've been in my office. Have you been in my little yeah. office? So it's it's literally like, it is a closet that we built into a tiny little studio. But a tape sinker is, we'll send like, it's an, a tape sinker sounds like it's referring to equipment, but it's actually a person with a microphone and a good deck. And they will go, and while the subject who might be in, you know, Virginia or Indonesia or wherever is talking down the line to me and we're recording my end, we're not recording their end over our line because it would sound like they're talking through the phone. Instead, we're having the tape syncer use a high-quality mic and audio deck to record their end, and then you kind of zipper right. those two tracks together. So that's like putting a team together, doing a lot of work. I mean, I appreciate what this guy is asking. Not every podcast has high sound quality, but I also appreciate the people who just take a microphone and go into the street and interview someone interesting and make a podcast out of it because I, that could be really beautiful as well. And this is an art form in many different ways, not just not just one way. I agree with you. I guess the question then is, so this would apply whether you're doing podcasting or photography or really kind of anything, even up to investing, which is how selective do you want to be? So if you were starting, let's say you're not you, let's say you're you minus 20 years, right? And you think, you know, podcasts are an awesome medium because they're very old-fashioned in a way, right? We understand that it's just an audio recording that people listen to, which has been around for a long, long, long time. Right, much longer than the word podcast. I mean, podcast has been around since 1995. That's a bad word. Yeah. Should we rename it? I feel like it should be a... Audience, um, please tweet at QOD to give us a better name for podcasts. Like, computer is such a bad word for computer, too, isn't it? Considering all they do now beyond compute. You know, shouldn't it just be like love box or something? It does every, we love it so much. A love box? Uh, Loved box? <laughs> I don't know. No? But podcast, I feel like the word for podcast should be Scandinavian. Like, uh, a, like a schmengen. Schmengen cast? You, you heard me? No, no cast. The cast is part of the problem. 
What's your favorite Schmengen these days? Like, also Schmengen. Nah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> so, okay. Is that so, going to be in your comedy act? So, at our live event, January 14th, at the Bell House in Brooklyn, 7 p.m. Get your tickets at thebellhouseny.com. Bam. It is true. We are doing a live event with stand-up comedy that will be better than this, which is sit-down comedy. James, so here's really my last question for you on this topic that I'd like to end with today, which is when you're doing something creative or entrepreneurial for that matter, how selective do you think you should be? In other words, like for Freakonomics Radio, let's say we probably, for every 30 minutes of finished podcast, that probably represents roughly, I don't know, 50 to 100 hours of human labor. But let's say that people out there are thinking about coming up with a business idea, trying to expand their own entrepreneurial stuff, even if it's a hobby or an avocation that might turn into a vocation. I think there's a lot to be said for thinking about how to triage your own work and your own ideas. Well, I think the key is really diving right into it and doing it so that you have feedback as to what you're failing at and what you're doing well. I totally agree with you, but here's where I think it gets really hard. Um... There are some realms, we, we, we both agree that feedback is like extraordinarily important and maybe the only way to learn. But in some realms, the feedback is really noisy or the feedback loop is really noisy. So like, like I, I hate to keep coming back to golf, but golf is one where the feedback is awesome. If I do something if different. If you do it right, you can't no. just playing golf, the feedback's no good. No, I disagree. If I'm on the range and I'm hitting 10 balls and I try 10 different things, there might be co-variables that I can't always measure, but I can see immediately what the result is. It's easier to let the feedback tell you what's going on in some realms than others. If I think I if you're 10, at a driving range, that's true. I think when you're playing 18 holes of golf, you're never going to get the chance to hit uh, the same shot to really understand the feedback and apply it to the next shot. Okay, we're going to disagree on that one. That's fine. But what I'm saying is this. If someone out there is trying to do a podcast, trying to do photography, trying to do whatever and they come up with 10, let's say, units of something. That might be ideas, that might be 10 projects that they've tried. To give measurable feedback on your own creative output is really hard, I think. I've always found that. Like, think about writing, you think, think about painting. But I think you can get feedback from listeners. You know, you can't. You, it's hard to judge your own creative output. But fortunately, we have this platform called the internet where there's reviews, there's analytics to track downloads. So depending on what metrics you value, you can get some sort of feedback and, and make decisions based on that. Is there any site in the world where I or anyone can upload anything, visual, audio, whatever, idea, and just have it be, I just want like an audience of appraisers? I mean, to some extent, YouTube... It depends yeah, but, on how quality the appraisers you well, want. But also, how do you guarantee, like, if I have zero presence of any kind, then it gets lost, right? Well, it doesn't not, get seen. Not necessarily. So let's just take the classic YouTube example. And I've interviewed a lot of YouTubers that have done very well. So Michelle Fon um, does makeup videos on YouTube. She did 54 videos before she had any views. And the 54th video, she did kind of a makeup tutorial of how to do uh, Lady Gaga's makeup. And this was when Lady Gaga was peaking. And then from there, she finally got enough views that she was able to afford new equipment and finally take the next step in quality. But that's after throwing herself into it for 54 videos. She had to be so persistent and have confidence in her success. So I think what I always think is persistence plus love equals success. And that's a great example. And I, and almost every YouTuber I know has done between 20 and 100 videos 
before they started to see some degree of success. I guess I just wish that there was a more open-sourced feedback-gaining mechanism for anybody and anything uh, where you're guaranteed a hearing, an audience, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you have to learn. Like, look, we just realized that we've been doing these episodes for over a year. And, you know, because we started off with some pilot episodes and so on that never aired. So we've been doing this a long time. Plus, I have my own podcast. You have your own podcast. So we've been doing podcasting for a long time. I think we're a lot different than when we first started. I think we've gotten a lot worse. <laughs> Could be. Can't wait until tomorrow for more QOD. Hear a clip from our next show right after this. Thanks again to Betterment for sponsoring today's episode. As the first automated investing service, Betterment revolutionized investing, making it easier, more straightforward, and less expensive to be a smarter investor. Get personalized advice and investment management for a fraction of the cost of traditional investment services. Sign up today and get up to six months of free automated investing. Full terms and conditions at betterment.com slash question. Betterment, investing made better. Sign up today at betterment.com slash question. I'm going to be honest, we probably have no answers for the next question, but here is the next question. What are good ways to prepare my kids to become billionaires? <laughs> so first off, why are people so obsessed with their kids becoming billionaires? Like we already know a billion make, dollars what, doesn't lead to happiness. What makes you think that a lot of people are? Well, this is one of the most popular questions on, on Quora here. <laughs> 